everybody. I'm joined by a very special guest making his 12th appearance to On the Ropes Boxing Radio. I'm joined once again by Hall of Fame broadcaster Al Bernstein. How's things going today, Al? Good. Very good. Who's got the record for most appearances? <laughs> uh, the most appearances is actually Floyd Mayweather Sr. at 40. Holy cow. Well, <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna have to work hard to get to that. <laughs> Just a little bit, but let's talk about some recent boxing news. Uh, the new date for the Tyson Fury versus Deontay Wilder fight has been announced. It will be on October 9th. Wanted to get your thoughts on all the things that have been going on with this matchup. Well, you know, obviously that fight is star trust. You know, there's so much between the legal proceedings and now the latest development uh, involving uh, Fury and contracting COVID and the controversy surrounding that, that you just hope an event like that, you hope that, you know, at some point it settles down and things really do happen. Uh, everybody, I think many people want to see that fight. You know, obviously uh, we were set to see Joshua against Fury and that everybody thought that was going to be the fight. But then once it got to be Wilder and Fury again, I think people were anxious to see it and probably still are. So I'm hoping that it, you know, it, it does happen and that fans get a chance to see that. All right. Well, uh, you're very active on Twitter, so I'm sure you're seeing what the fans are saying with some saying that Fury wanted more time for training. Others saying ticket sales were poor for the event. I wanted to get your take on all the rumors that the boxing fans have been putting out there. Yeah. I mean, obviously, you know, and of course Tyson Fury didn't help his cause with the people that are looking for controversy about this by being so publicly out there relatively quickly after the the story got out that he had COVID. It wasn't that long that he was kind of publicly active. So that led to more conspiracy theories, I'm, I'm sure. Uh, and inevitably, you know, there's so much passion about that fight. And, and for some reason, the two... The two groups of supporters, Wilder supporters and Fury supporters, are just very passionate. And you can't even write something. I mean, I'm a relatively benign guy when it comes to writing about boxing. And I sent out a couple of tweets that I thought were fairly, you know, relatively passive about the whole thing. And I had, you know, all kinds of people trying to be combative with me about it. So if that was the case, you can see that, you know, there is, no matter what happens, there's going to be some passion and there's going to be some people with reasonable and unreasonable ideas. Mm. All right. Well, let's take all that other stuff out and focus in on the actual matchup. What do you think happens when these two finally meet again in the ring? Well, the the onus here is on Wilder, obviously, because then here's a good point to remember, right, that Wilder was literally a second or two away from knocking Fury out in their first fight, which is a fight I did announce. Uh, I mean, literally a second away from winning by knockout. We may never have seen the second one. Who knows? But given that, uh, you know, Fury won virtually all the rounds in the first fight. He dominated the second fight and won by stoppage. So the onus here is on Wilder to show that he can flip the script, that he can change what's happening. And the other thing that is intriguing about this is Fury has had two different 
distinct ways of kind of doing well against Wilder. He boxed in the one fight, and then in the second fight, he put on a bunch of weight and bullied him. So, uh, you know, it shows, demonstrates Fury has a couple of ways to go about this in this fight. So the onus is on Wilder, and he has to show us that, he, that something has changed and that he has, can figure out a way to consistently, let's say, land that right hand or, and, and make it count this time so that Fury stays down, and we'll see what happens. I, you know, you have to go into the fight thinking Fury is the favorite, which he will be, um, because of previous performances. Uh, can Wilder win the fight? Yes. Because if he can land a great right hand, he can knock anybody down and out. Mm. Well, let's turn things to a recent popular trend going on in boxing, and that is former great fighters of the past making returns long after their retirements. You had Mike Tyson making a comeback at the age of 54. Now you got Oscar De La Hoya at the age of 48 returning for a sanctioned bout. Wanted to get your thoughts on all these fighters coming back. Well, there's two categories in which you view this. One, if they come back and fight, you know, against non-boxers, right, whether it's MMA people or YouTubers or whoever, it's a little different than them fighting other boxers. And if they fight other older boxers in what's called an exhibition, uh, that also puts another spin on it. The one thing I'm that worries us when older boxers come back is them fighting current boxers or fighting boxers who are at the top of their game because that often does not go well uh, and more often than not is is going to go badly. Um, the bigger question is how long does this trend of quote-unquote exhibition-type matches with marketable names, how long does that go on in the sport? You know, right now it's 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 in – really, you have to say it's in its embryonic stages still because it hasn't been that long since we've – started to see these and how much allure will they have and for how long and we're, we don't we won't know the answer to that for another six to eight months or maybe even a year as we continue to see some of these uh do they do they continue to do well commercially and uh do fans still show an interest in them all right now you just mentioned youtubers in boxing and when it comes to that one guy is having more success than the rest, and that is Jake Paul. He's 3-0 and as a professional fighter, and he's gotten himself to the point where he has a Showtime pay-per-view at the end of August against MMA fighter Tyrone Woodley. Just wanted to get your views on his rise in sport. Well, it's very much a sign of our times. You know, we live in an era when reality shows, I mean, you know, not to get political, we had a reality show president. So that's just a fact. However, you feel about the former president, he was a reality show star. And reality shows uh, have become this, a staple of, our, of, of the viewing public. It, and we have had a different kind of approach because of social media to who gets famous, why they get famous, whether you have to do anything to get famous or not. Uh, and... So inevitably, somebody like the Paul brothers, Jake Paul more specifically, even than his brother, although they're both in the same kind of boat, to parlay a social media following that you created into doing something you really want to do, I view the boxing for Jake Paul 
almost the same as if a YouTuber that was really famous had been working on music secretly for 10 years and was ready to release an album or start touring. And they used their YouTube uh, fame to do that. Uh, in the case of, of the Paul brothers, they love boxing and they've worked at it. So they are translating one into the other. Now, again, how long will this go? How long will it be popular? We'll wait. We'll see. August 29th is upcoming. Uh, he continues to fight, for the most part, uh, different UFC fighters. You started out with a basketball player. Uh, now it's UFC fighters or MMA fighters, I should say. And again, we'll see how, how well it goes. Um, the interest in that match has been significant. So people are interested, to be sure, in these two guys. Uh, and for their part, being around them a little bit, I can tell you that they are serious about their commitment to try to be better as boxers for whatever that means. Hmm. When it comes to Jake Paul, um, obviously he has a win over a YouTuber, Nate Robinson, and Ben Askren, who a lot of people felt was one of the, the worst strikers in MMA. But now he's facing Tyrone Woodley, who is a legitimate striker. What you've seen of Jake Paul, how do you gauge his ability in the ring? It's very hard to do. Uh, it's really hard to tell how good Jake Paul is because of what you suggested. He faced the basketball player. He faced Ben Askren, who, again, is not a, a good striker and was, I think, physically not. You know, I did that fight <laughs> on Thrill Thriller. Uh, and I don't know if Ben Askren was really physically 100% up to the challenge. So, we don't really know. Uh, and you're right. Woodley, of course, is a better striker uh, than Askren uh, was. And even though Woodley has lost recent matches in MMA, uh, he still does bring a better striking ability into this fight. We may get more of a clue in this fight how well we think Jake Paul can do as a boxer. But at this juncture, it's just really hard to say. Mm. Let's move things to the biggest legitimate star in boxing, that being Canelo Alvarez. He's looking like he's heading towards a showdown with Caleb Plant in September. Just wanted to get your views on Canelo's future going forward and the opposition that is available for him to face. Well, he's got some good opposition that he can face, for sure. Plant is a very good fighter, uh, obviously. Uh he could move up to 175 and face Bivol, which uh, men, people are talking about. That would be a spectacular fight, a truly challenging fight for Canelo Alvarez. Uh, there's David Benavides, who is in, in the 168-pound uh, weight class, who is fantastic. You know, uh, I mean, he's a terrific fighter. Uh, so there are fighters out there, plus Golovkin's floating around waiting for a third fight. There are many fighters out there that Canelo can fight that would be a good fight. Uh, and uh, you hope he'll get to all of them. He's 30 years of age. Uh, he's been a longtime veteran of the sport, though. So, you know, how much, I mean, he keeps himself in good condition and he still appears to be fighting at the top of his game, but he's been in the sport a long, long time. So how long he will fight, at, you know, could be three, four, five more years could just be a couple of years. We hope, of course, that he'll be able to cram into that time fights against some of these fighters that we want to see him in against. Yeah, when it comes to Canelo, there's 
very good level of opposition out there. But what I guess people say is maybe not the name recognition of the opponents that are out there. He doesn't have the Floyd Mayweather's to fight anymore. He seems not to want to fight Golovkin in a third fight. What do you think about his position of not having that big, you know, obviously he's not on pay-per-view anymore, but that draw fight to really draw people in? The funny thing is, I don't think Canelo needs that. You know, he draws well anyway, and if you can promote correctly and and appropriately sell people on the fact that, let's say, a David Benavides or Bavo is a true challenge. I think you can add that extra five, six, seven hundred thousand pay-per-view buys that maybe some big name would bring you, or or not quite add up to what a giant name would bring you, but would would add to that pay-per-view appropriately. You need promoters and networks and and platforms that have him. What they need to do, even, well, here's David Benavidez, perfect example. He said, guess what? I want to fight Jamal Charlo first. I want that win to try and show the world that I am really, really, really something because not everybody knows me, uh, and that will add to my uh, level of uh, you know, exposure and make my fight with Canelo bigger. Now, of course, he's presuming he would beat Jamal Charlo, and Charlo, of course, down at 160, has no obligation to come up to 168 to face him, but that's Benavidez talking. So, you know, if if these people can do the right job of letting people know that he's fighting a really good fighter, I think that it won't be a problem for them to do good numbers in the pay-per-view. All right, well, the other big name uh, is Manny Pacquiao. He's been in the sport for a very long time, but he's still a very large name. He might be 42, but he surprised a lot of people by deciding to take on Errol Spence in a fight that will take place on August 28th. What are your thoughts on Pacquiao now at his age and the challenge he has ahead of him? Yeah, well, listen, it it, it speaks volumes about Manny Pacquiao. I know, you know, there have been controversies over the years. Some people, you know, have – theories that he has been using uh, performance-enhancing drugs over the years, uh, and and that sometimes just dogged him. uh, And not everybody is a fan, although uh, Manny Pacquiao has a tremendous following. But you can say whatever you want about Manny Pacquiao. The fact that at 42, he said, hey, you know what? I may just have one more fight left in me. Let's make it against Daryl Spence. (laughs) You know, that's pretty good uh I, I think you have to you know extol his virtues for that and be impressed by that uh and now you know it is funny and of course his last performance against uh thurman keith thurman another fight that probably people didn't think he would take and most people thought thurman would win it was a very close fight that could have gone either way but but i don't think anybody can yell that pacquiao got the decision and he surprised the world by beating thurman and now here he is jumping in from the frying pan into the fire with, with Errol Spence. So uh, now people have the idea, and while Spence started out as a four-to-one uh, favorite in this fight, the betting odds have come moved a lot closer because people are showing confidence in Manny Pacquiao. So there are a lot of people that apparently believe Pacquiao has an opportunity to win this fight. From your perspective, Al, though, how does Manny Pacquiao go about beating Errol Spence. Yeah, the way you'd have to beat Errol Spence is by doing a, a little bit of what Sean Porter did. Uh, now, Pacquiao, at his best, is capable of this. You know, 
he did it against uh, Margarito and, and some of the other fighters he faced, where he darts in and out, throws combinations, uh, doesn't stand in the pocket constantly, and he did it against Broner as well in their fight. Uh, because one of the things Broner is is people think Broner, you know, is fast or has good footwork. He doesn't. He's just a stationary fighter. And and you know now Errol Spence is a little more multidimensional, but you the way you have to beat Errol Spence is by doing that punch 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 move around a little bit, give him angles, and Sean Porter did a very good job of that, and that's what Manny Pacquiao has to do. At forty two, can he do that? Um, we saw we saw a lot of signs of that against um, Thurman although it was already a year and a half, what, a year and a half ago? I mean, it was a while ago. So that's the question is, can he achieve that? But that's the way he does it. Hmm. Al, I just have a couple more questions before I let you off the line, and I wanted to turn things to yourself. You've been doing a podcast called Al Bernstein's Unplugged for a little while now. For the fans listening out there, can you tell them a little bit about how you got involved with your podcast and some of the interviews you do on your show? Yeah, I've been, you know, I've been uh, really enjoying it. I um, didn't, you know, I was kind of late to the game in uh, in uh, podcasting. And, of course, vi- uh, visually it's on YouTube so people can see it as well as, a, as kind of a TV show. Uh, and I, uh, once I got involved with it, though, of course, I really enjoyed it. Because one of the things I had not, you know, I've had radio shows. I did a regular sports talk radio show on the ESPN affiliate Las Vegas for years. I've done nationally syndicated radio shows and, uh, and, and on boxing before I went to Showtime, I interviewed fighters in the ring all the time after it. But one of the things that I haven't been doing as much in recent years are interviewing people and I enjoy it. I love it. you know, and that was what one, what the show kind of brought back to me. Uh, and we've we've had a lot of boxing uh, personalities on there, well-known boxing personalities. But I've also expanded it to interview, you know, people that are tangentially involved in boxing in some way. And coming up, I'm going to push the envelope even more. In fact, uh, our next guest of our show is Rex Chapman, the fine basketball player turned Twitter king. <laughs> fascinating man and uh, we're going to be interviewing uh, D.L. Uli is going to be on the show in the near future actor John Cusick uh, and uh, others but uh, you know we'll, we'll still of course have all the big names of boxing but it's been fun to talk to them and um, and have a chance to visit with them and, and uh, for me to to do what I you know I've done so much in the past but haven't had a chance to so much recently we've you know we've had Larry Holmes and Lennox Lewis on I love talking to the old champions as well Mm. all right well Al in terms of you being ringside and calling fights can you let the fans know about some of the fights coming up on on Showtime yeah we're you know we've had a really good schedule and this year has been a, a very very um you know, gratifying year to be able to do boxing on Showtime because we just had a really a lot of interesting and, and fun fights. And and then on August 14th, we have a really interesting fight coming up. Uh, John Real Casimero uh, taking on Guillermo Rigondeau in a, uh, a Bantamweight championship fight. We've got some other good fights on that undercard as well. That's from Carson, California. Uh, and then on August 28th, we've got... Uh, Benavides, who I mentioned earlier, David Benavides taking on uh, Jose Uscadegui in what could be a very good 168-pound match. And then September 11th, we have 
a fight that kind of culminates this whole run of great fights we've had through the summer with Stephen Fulton Jr. and uh, Brandon Figueroa in a title unification match in 122 pounds, which I think is one of the best divisions in boxing. So we've got a nice schedule coming up, and I'm looking forward to those fights. All right. Well, Alan, closing, is there any message you want to pass on to the boxing fans? Uh, just that, you know, I think this has been a, a very good year overall for the sport of boxing. Uh, I'm not a cheerleader for the sport. I cover it. Uh, but I think it's good for us to kind of recognize when the sport does better. You know, boxing has a long history of shooting itself foot a lot. And that isn't to say that there still aren't things that happen that, you know, where it doesn't take full advantage, uh, where all the fights that you want to get made don't get made i mean that's a frequent criticism of the sport but this year uh i mean this has been a really good year for boxing uh all promoters and platforms have put on some really really good matches and uh and i hope boxing fans are enjoying them and i hope you know that they will stop and smell the roses when a fight falls out or somebody you know we don't see a fight that we want to see uh, or there's some controversy, but I think we also need to take a step back and say, you know what, the quality of boxing that we're seeing this year is, is and quantity of it is really good. All right, well, Al, I thank you so much for your time today. It has been great talking to you and catching up with you and hearing you talk about the sport, and uh, I look forward to hearing you going forward in the future. All right, take care. Bye.